sorry I don't love you A fresh I've grown accustomed to Cause with you if something isn't wrong Something isn't wrong Something isn't right Hey everyone, welcome to Geekdom is back, as is Becky Kovach. We are going to be talking all about Iron Man today. Last week I talked to Tim Matthews about the Avengers, so I'm getting a few Marvel movies going here before we talk about Infinity War on the podcast, which is out in a few weeks. And Becky, I'm sure I will ask you some of your thoughts on what will happen in Infinity War a little later, but right now we are going to talk all about Iron Man. And I had the chance to rewatch this yesterday, but you did not have quite enough time to do that. So I'm going to go ahead and do a quick overview here. So hopefully that'll help you and the listeners who have not watched this in quite some time. Yes. So basically what happens in this film is you have Tony Stark, playboy billionaire, I'm guessing he's a billionaire at this point because he was kind of just born into the money. And then you have his current partner in the company who was his dad's former partner and it his name is Obadiah Stane which is a very very strange name in my opinion and it's one of those names where it feels like they were trying to just set him up to be the bad guy <laughs> yeah it does feel that way so basically he has tony kidnapped or abducted i guess that's a better word since he is not a child but either way Tony is taken and he is held in an Afghan cave and that is where he builds the first Iron Man suit. So it's just one of those things where I was talking about superhero movies previously and how they aren't always just superhero movies. Like this definitely felt a lot like a war movie in a sense. And I believe I was talking to Mitchell McDonald about that when we were talking about 2017 and film in general. So is that something you would agree with? Like, we know these are superhero movies, but it seems like they have bigger themes to them than just being superhero movies. Yeah. And I, I think with Iron Man, you, you definitely feel that in the way that it kind of takes him a very long time to become Iron Man in this one. Right. Um, I, I know it's been a while since I've seen it, but... From what I remember, it felt like it took forever before he actually came out and was like, this is Iron Man. Like, this is what he's going to be doing. Yeah, I think it takes at least half the movie to get there. So the movie is just over two hours long. And because he's abducted and taken and he's gone for, I believe it was three months or six months. It was three months that he was in captivity, so he had plenty of time to put this suit together with all of the resources he was getting because the people over there wanted him to build a missile. And basically, Tony gets a ton of character progression in this movie alone because really it felt like this could have been two whole movies because you could have the whole part where Tony is in captivity as one movie and then everything afterwards as a second movie because when I was watching this I was just like wow they put so much into this movie like it was jam-packed and almost none of it felt like filler at any point I was like okay this all makes sense and because this is where everything started for the MCU or at least the current day Marvel movies. It's one of those moments where you go back and you watch it and you're like, wow, they really did have a good idea of what it, what they wanted to accomplish with this cinematic universe 10 years ago. 
Yeah, it's like insane to think about that this was the very first one and how well planned out everything was afterwards. Um, but you're right in the sense that it it did feel like it could have been two completely different movies. Um, whereas like the first part was him in captivity and creating the suit and then the second part was everything that came after he made it. Yeah, and that's where you see a lot of his character progression too. You know, when he's in captivity, he sees what his own weapons are being used for. And obviously, they were never meant to fall into the wrong hands and everything like that. But these things happen. And we find out later that it was Obadiah who was basically doing these under the table deals so that the company could make more money or he could make more money, whichever it actually was. And, you know, it, it wasn't that. Obadiah was necessarily a villain, and hopefully I'm pronouncing that name right. I was watching the movie and I was like, I don't even totally understand what they're calling this guy, <laughs> but or I'll just call him Stain or something like that because that's his last name. But it was more of a betrayal than it was that he was this big bad villain who came to ruin everything because this was a relationship that had been built up between him and Tony through Tony's father over the years, and there was this sense of trust between the two and because tony is tony he totally had no idea what anyone else was thinking most of the time because he was always off doing his own thing tinkering and being the playboy billionaire and not really paying attention to other people quite as much and that definitely changes a lot by the end of the movie because even when he's in captivity and he has the guy helping him while he's building the suit and everything, you can see how much he cares about that guy when he knows that guy is going to die. Yeah. And when it comes to villains, Obadiah is very much like, he's a, he's not like an outright villain. He's very human in the respect that like, he wasn't doing what he did because he was trying to take over the world or like cause chaos. He just was trying to make money. Yeah. And, one other thing I want to point out before I forget, because I had no recollection of this at all. I had no idea that Terrence Howard was Brody anymore yep. because it's been Don Cheadle for however many different movies he's been at, at this point. And he was, I believe, most recently in Civil War. So to have that character be recast, it was a little jarring to go back and see Terrence Howard in that role. I was like, wait, what is that the same roadie are there two roadies i was so confused and i was like all right i i need to get to googling this so i can be less confused but it's definitely james roadie james Rhodes, technically for both of them so that is an interesting move because you don't see that happen super often with movies as big as these marvel movies and obviously with iron man at the time when they were casting it, they didn't quite know how everything would turn out just yet with the MCU because they hadn't released the first movie yet. But to have this sort of, I don't want to say major role, but this character who plays a major role in Tony's life and to have that character be recast, that's definitely an interesting move. But obviously, Terrence Howard has other things going on. So there is that at least. It's not like he was out of work or anything like that. <laughs> Yeah, it was definitely weird when the second one came out and suddenly it was a completely different actor playing such a major character in Tony Stark's life. But, I mean, 
Terrence Howard did a great job in the first one. And then I feel like Don Cheadle really made the role his own in every movie after that. Yeah. And it kind of, I feel like it almost worked out for the better. I, I like Don Cheadle better as Rhodes, I think. Yeah, I think I do too. I don't know if I could ever really picture Terrence Howard becoming War Machine. That would just seem very off to me now. And like I said, because these movies were so long ago too, I probably didn't remember it because I wasn't quite as engrossed in all of the Marvel happenings at that time. Like I didn't start digging into the comics until I want to say some point in college or even afterwards when I actually had a job and could buy comics with my own money and everything like that. So it was one of those things where I have in I would say like the last five years just become really engrossed in a lot of the comic book stuff whether it's Marvel or DC or what have you so at the time I probably didn't even really make the connection that Rhodey was played by two different actors and you know going back now and going through these movies because like I said I just talked about the Avengers and I'll be talking probably about at least Age of Ultron and Civil War coming up so you know Don Cheadle will definitely be talked about <laughs> there. So it's just one of those things where when you look back, you're like, oh, now I see all of these little things that they did. And whether it's a actor change or just these little hints at things coming down the line that you probably would have forgotten about if you didn't keep rewatching the movies. And honestly, I'm not someone who does that super often. And I've mentioned this plenty of times before. I pretty much only rewatch things for the purpose of this podcast. And, you know, I'm starting to rethink that a little bit. Like sometimes you just have to rewatch something you enjoy. And there might be some Marvel movies I can skip, but, you know, rewatching <laughs> this was definitely a wonderful experience I was like oh wow they really nailed the tone of this character right off the bat yeah I per, I mean personally I love rewatching stuff especially when it comes to movies like this where everything is so well planned out so far in advance like if you go back and I, I know I've rewatched some of the earlier movies and it never really registered with me that Bill Coulson shows up in all of them <laughs> yeah. until until they started making him a more major character within the the universe and then going back and watching like the first Iron Man or watching the first Thor movie suddenly I was like oh shit that's Phil Coulson <laughs> yeah that's how I felt when I rewatched the Avengers I was like oh man Phil died in that and then you know because I watched Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. too mm -hmm. I was like wow everything is so different now <laughs> Yeah, they just they they put so much thought into every single move that they made. And like you said, with Iron Man, they really nailed the character from the very beginning. Like, I don't think anybody else could have played Tony Stark besides Robert Downey Jr. And for Robert Downey Jr. personally, too, it was sort of this turnaround for him because he yeah. had had problems with addiction and stuff in the past. And becoming Iron Man with this movie it really just put him on the right path too. And I know he had done a few movies before this that kind of got him started on going down the right path, but I think this really cemented that for him. And he does a ton of cool things through Marvel and being Iron Man. He'll go visit kids at hospitals and stuff like that. And I know a lot of the actors and actresses do that, but it's just really one of those things where you can see this family starting to come out of this movie and 
that kind of leads me into one of the big things I want to talk about, and that's Tony's relationship with Pepper. Because obviously at this point, it's not really a romantic thing, but you can like see the sparks are there. Yeah. And Pepper just does such hilarious things. Like when she gives Tony the first arc reactor and it just says proof that Tony Stark has a heart. Yep. That moment I was like, it's these little things that you forget about down the line because they don't really play into the bigger picture. But it's those things that really just make you understand these characters so well and how they interact with one another. Yeah. And like you said, it wasn't necessarily a romantic relationship at that point, but you can kind of see that she's one of the few people in Tony's life at that point who doesn't put up with his crap and will call him out on all of it. Right. And is kind of there to keep him not necessarily in line because he still has this playboy lifestyle, but who just kind of keeps him a little more grounded than he would be otherwise. Yeah, and she has that line, too, after he sleeps with the Vanity Fair reporter, and I'm blanking on her name right now, but the next morning, Pepper's like, yeah, I take out the trash when I <laughs> he needs me to, sort of thing. And it was just one of those lines where it was such a dig at the reporter. But yep. it's like, she will literally take out the trash, too. <laughs> yeah, she's just, she's such a strong-willed character, and I think Tony needs that balance in his life even before he realizes that he needs it. And she just is there to provide it. And it, it definitely that this movie sets the kind of the groundwork for their relationship as it grows and develops throughout the rest of the movies. Yeah, I know people make fun of Marvel a lot because they tend to cast a lot of Chris's and Tom's. <laughs> but really, Marvel did so well with the early casting of these characters that they have been able to sustain this for a decade now. And technically, Iron Man probably started production in 2007. So it's been a little over a decade now for the characters in Iron Man. And Thor was one of the early characters too. So they just really found people who would take these characters, embody them, and run with them. And like you said, I can't picture literally anyone else playing Iron Man at this point. I don't even know what they do. My guess is, you know, just for a little speculation here, it would be really cool if they did Ironheart and had Riri Williams brought into the universe to shake things up when Robert du when Robert Downey Jr. is no longer playing Iron Man. And it's just one of those things where, you know, there have been so many Batmans over the years and... I can't really see them rebooting Iron Man anytime soon. So my no. guess would be like go the Ironheart route and do that. But I, I feel like, I don't know, Infinity War, it's coming. <laughs> yeah, I so I, I don't read the comics. So I don't have a whole lot of background info on like what is going to happen in Infinity War. I have some like some knowledge based on things that I've read on like BuzzFeed and around the internet, but I like I'm going into this almost completely blind. So this is going to be interesting. Well, the thing is, too, these movies haven't directly followed the comic books. Like in the Civil War comic, Cap dies 
And obviously that did not happen in Captain America Civil War. So you definitely have changes being made. And I don't know if Infinity War itself was ever the name of a comic, but there's like Infinity Gauntlet and all of the stuff surrounding Thanos that's out there. And right. I've, I've read a couple of those things, but Marvel just has so much history to it. Same with DC that I'm I'm catching up on all the things. Like I started reading The Amazing Spider-Man from his first appearance which was before the comic was actually called the amazing spider-man so i'm only like i don't know 50 issues into the history of spider-man and there's at least over a thousand different spider-man issues so that just goes to show how deep some of these characters go and with characters like iron man and hulk and captain america having this long history you never know where they're going to go with it because in the comics Yes, the characters die, but they're always rebooted and brought back to life. But because we're dealing with actual people in the movies, it's like Robert Downey Jr. cannot play Iron Man forever as much as we would like to have him do so. Yeah. Um, I know with Infinity Wars, Chris Evans, his contract is like up, right? Like that that was the end of him being Captain America. I think... His contract is up with the next Avengers movie. Okay. But I could definitely see them. Well, we'll we'll hold this thought for later when we get into Infinity War <laughs> speculation, because otherwise I'm just going to derail this podcast completely. So I want to get back to talking about Tony's time in captivity, because personally, I am such a nerd that I really love watching all of the scenes where he's tinkering with everything, even if it's just him tinkering with his hot rod in the garage or something like that. It's very interesting to see how he works because I feel like how Tony works is such a huge part of his personality and his character. Like, sure, you know, he'll go be with all these women and mess around and everything like that and not take things super seriously that he probably should take seriously. But when he's working, he's 100% working. He has such great focus. I'm kind of jealous of it. I'm like, wow, imagine if I were that efficient when I worked. Right? Um, not to jump ahead in the movies, but it kind of it, it ties in with the third movie where he goes back to just kind of being Tony the mechanic. Yeah. Um, and I, that was one of the, my favorite things about the third movie was that it kind of gets him back to where he started and where he started was very much just with tinkering and watching him work on things and the way his mind works when he's diving into a project is just, it's fascinating. And once he gets back to, you get more of the comedy that goes with him and how he works because when he's in captivity obviously that's a life or death situation and he's trying to get out of it and destroy the weapons as quickly and as efficiently as he can and you see that first iron man suit and that's very much what it looked like in the comics too it was sort of just like this big hunk of metal it wasn't really refined at all So you see that suit and it is gigantic in comparison to the sleek red and gold that he comes up with later when he's back home. And it's just one of those moments where they did the nod to the comics so well. You're like, yes, comic book fans are going to love that moment so much. And at the time, like I said, I hadn't read any of the comics pretty much. So to go back and appreciate that now, it's like, 
even just rewatching these movies, you can appreciate them a little more each time, or in some cases, if it's the not so great ones in the MCU, then you're like, oh, yeah, I see why this didn't work. <laughs> yeah. I, I wish I'd read the comics. I feel like it. there's this whole other layer to all of these movies that I'm just not picking up on because I haven't. See, if you have a tablet or just a computer in general, you should definitely check out Marvel Unlimited because oftentimes they'll do like a free month or they'll do like, you know, half off or something right around the time the movies are coming out. So with Infinity War coming up, they might have some codes that you can apply and just check out like binge read the comics like a couple weekends in a row or something like that and you can get quite a bit read but if you go back to the really old comics there's way more words in those because they went a little overboard with the narration in my opinion (laughs) (laughs) I yeah I definitely need to look into it and I've had people tell me that I should check out uh the app and I just haven't gotten around to it yet I I can make you a list (laughs) That would be helpful because I feel there's so much. It's it's a lot. So it's much. So much. <laughs> a little overwhelming to try and dive into, which I think is why I keep putting it off. <laughs> yeah. So once Tony gets home and, you know, what's interesting is that I totally forgot this pretty much entirely took place in his Malibu home, which I really love the Malibu home. I kind of forget about it because they spend so much time in New York or like in space now or wherever they're going for the Infinity War situation. But I was like, oh, yeah, I kind of remember this. And it makes sense because in the comics, there were the West Coast Avengers at one point, too. So they had two different Avengers teams on both coasts. And that's a whole other thing for a whole other day, though, because, (laughs) you know, the teams were very different at that point because obviously you're not going to have duplicates of characters just have one on each coast but with the Malibu home you see his row of cars in there and he's making the new suit and everything and he has this area laid out where he can try out the thrusters on you know the boots and it does not go quite as planned and that's when that sort of comedic relief comes into play because You can tell that Tony is taking it very seriously, but he's also not afraid to fail and laugh at himself when he fails so he can get better and perfect everything. He is going to put everything to the test and he is going to leave nothing on the table. He's just going to do this until either it kills him or, you know, I don't know when else he would be stopped. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no and that it's such a great scene when he's testing out the thrusters on the boots and he has the robots in the garage with him and the one just keeps trying to put out fires that aren't <laughs> there and he ends up I think melting some of the paint on one of his cars and it's just such like a great scene to show that aspect of him how he just literally gives it his all to make it as perfect as possible but he does make mistakes he is only human yeah and the robot you mentioned it's like he almost talks to the robot like it's a dog (laughs) yep because every time it like moves he's like no 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 and it's just one of those moments where even though he's tony stark he still has you know these robot 
these robots that might not be as capable as they should be. And, you know, the the tech that they come up with, and I know a lot of it is CGI and everything, and the interfaces don't actually exist out in the real world, but man, do I wish they did. Yeah, right? The tech in these movies is always so cool. Yeah, and it's amazing how well they bring it to life, because it's one thing in the comics because you can just draw whatever you want. You don't have to worry about actually making it. It's just on paper. But with these movies, they're literally bringing all of these concepts to life. And I feel like more so an Iron Man than some of the other movies, just because of how much technology is involved in Tony Stark's daily life. And, you know, I thought I had a lot of technology going on in my life. But let me tell you, Tony Stark has everyone beat. (laughs) Yeah, it's such an integral part of who he is. I mean, even as Iron Man, he's only able to do what he does because of technology. Yeah, so I mentioned the first suit earlier, and then he switches it up and has the red and gold, more refined suit. But he actually goes through a few different versions in this movie alone. And I think that's what kind of keeps you feeling like there's not really any filler in this movie, because it's like the progress is happening very quickly in the movie it might not be quickly in real time because he was in captivity for three months and everything like that but it's happening at a great pace for the film and you see the suit when it's all silver and he's like eh, need some color kind of thing and then we also have Jarvis too which we haven't talked about Jarvis at all and I don't know how we have waited this long <laughs> to talk about Jarvis because Knowing that Jarvis becomes Vision later is still so weird to me. It's like, but he's a computer system voice. Yeah. And, you know, Jarvis does have quite a bit of personality, too. It's almost like he's the AI version of Pepper Potts. (laughs) Yeah, that's a really great way to put it. Um, Because he is kind of the same where he... I mean, I I know he's just like a computer, but he doesn't take any crap from Tony. Like, yeah, he has to do what Tony tells him, but... He has just enough snark to him. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's a great way to put it. He has just enough snark. Um, But it is weird to think that he becomes Vision later on. And I don't know, it just... The whole situation was very strange. (laughs) Yeah, and I'm sure that's something I'll be talking about when I get to Age of Ultron and everything, but... I really do feel like with Iron Man, they really just got started on the right foot. So you have this character that, you know, he's not the biggest character in the comics. Sure, he's been around for a very long time, but I don't know if before this movie, you could go around and ask people who Iron Man was and they would actually know the answer to that like would they know he's just some giant suit or would they know he's tony stark but now it's like robert downey jr has made iron man such a household name and the same goes for you know the rest of the cast that they have right now and everything and i think this movie just really solidified how well marvel knew what they were doing sure you you had some movies prior to this that maybe didn't work out so well and obviously the thing with marvel is they don't own all of their 
film rights. So you have the X-Men off in one place, you have Spider-Man elsewhere, at least now you kind of have Spider-Man as part of the Marvel Empire, but you have these big characters that Marvel couldn't do anything with back in 2008. So it's like you couldn't start with Spider-Man, which is arguably Marvel's biggest character, and you have to make do with what you have. So they go with Iron Man. I don't know if I would have seen this coming. Yeah, I I don't think Iron Man was as big a fixture in Marvel um, when these movies first started coming out as he is now. And it is kind of cool to see how they've managed to build this entire universe, starting with this relative, not necessarily unknown character, but in terms of like bigger characters within Marvel, he isn't as well known as say Spider-Man. Like it's, it was a weird one to start with, but it ended up working out so well. Yeah. He was like a B C list character type of deal in the (laughs) comics probably. And that's not necessarily a bad thing because they took a lot of characters who weren't part of the original Avengers necessarily. And I know I mentioned this when I was discussing the Avengers movie, but the original team included Ant-Man and the Wasp. And it took us a very long time to even get an Ant-Man movie out of the MCU. And we have Ant-Man and the Wasp coming this summer. I want to say June, July, somewhere around there. Something like that. We haven't even seen a movie for the... I mean, yes, the Wasp was in Ant-Man, but to have them have a movie together and not be part of the Avengers technically for fans who want stuff to stay true to the comic books that was probably very weird for them because they're like um what about these characters who are the actual avengers and then you have all of these ties to agents of shield too and we see shield a little bit in this movie it isn't a as big of a role as they played in the avengers but you see phil colson And he's basically hounding Tony to be debriefed (laughs) on the situation from him being in captivity. And, you know, he has to do everything through Pepper. And finally, she's like, okay, now time for the meeting. Let's go. Here we go. (laughs) We're doing this now. And then, you know, we'll get to the post credit scene here soon, too. But that involves S.H.I.E.L.D. as well. So they didn't play a huge role yet. But just by planting Phil Coulson in this movie, you're like, okay. This guy doesn't have a huge role, but he ends up being such a big part of the universe. Yeah, and I know we talked about it a little bit earlier, how he just kind of pops up in every single movie. Right. And they don't really tell you what exactly, like, he starts telling everyone what S.H.I.E.L.D. is and and saying, like, oh, I'm from S.H.I.E.L.D., but they don't really explain where they're going with that. It just kind of, like you said, plants the seed, which is really cool. and. I love Phil Coulson. He's probably one of my favorite characters. So the fact that they have him involved so early on is just really fun and and really great. But yeah, I mean, there's so many different characters within the Marvel Universe and so many different heroes that they could have based these movies around. It's like interesting to think about how they decided which ones were going to be the major characters and and which ones were going to come later and how they developed the whole storyline of all these different characters to, to come into one focal point in Infinity War. Yeah, and I want to jump back to Obadiah because he's the one who contacts Raza, I believe, and has him capture Tony Stark and 
you know, the goal was to have Tony killed, but that obviously doesn't happen because he ends up building the suit and breaking out. And, you know, so there are technically two villains, so to speak, in this because you have Obadiah and then you have Raza, who's the one using all of the black market weapons. And he's basically the guy who is supposed to kill Tony. And it's just one of those things where, yes, there are villains in this movie, but they aren't villains that you're used to seeing in the comics and everything like that. You know, we've seen New York destroyed how many times with the Marvel Universe at this point? And that's something that doesn't quite happen here. It's mostly Tony's own business that gets destroyed. And when he comes back from captivity and decides that they are not going to make weapons anymore, Obadiah points out that, you know, the irony of him creating the Iron Man suit was that he gave them the greatest weapon. And obviously that is not Tony's intention with it. But then Obadiah takes it and he makes this like suit that's, I don't know, four times the size of the Iron Man suit that Tony actually has on. So he just looks like this giant. And it honestly almost looks like he has an early version of the Hulkbuster costume on or Hulkbuster suit whatever you want to call it. And in that moment, I was like, wow, I totally forgot about the size difference in these suits. Yeah, it is a huge difference. And it, it actually really does look like the Hulkbuster suit, which is funny because that comes so much later. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it is. these are very different villains than you're used to seeing from like a comic book or from Marvel movies in general. They're not aliens. They're not you know, Loki coming to cause chaos. They're people just doing what people do, which is being greedy and trying to make money. And it's just, it's a very different villain. Yeah. Plus they don't have powers, which is something I did bring up in the Avengers because you have several heroes on the team who don't have powers. And technically Tony Stark is one of them because most of his power comes from his suit and yes he has like the arc reactor in him so he stays alive and I honestly forgot that that actually happened so early on I totally thought he just made the Iron Man suit in this movie and that that being part of him came later but I think it was something else that happened and went wrong with the arc reactor later and I'm probably just totally blanking on it so yeah no he builds the arc reactor um they build it they build like a battery in the cave to keep the shrapnel from migrating to his heart. Right. And he builds the earliest version of the arc reactor in that cave. And he uses it to power the suit when he breaks out. And then he develops it as the movie goes on. And then in the second movie, it's building up toxins in his blood. That's what it is. He has to figure out a better way to power like, the suit and to keep the shrapnel from his heart and it actually i believe ends up being nick fury who gives him the material to build the arc reactor that then is able to sustain itself within him see you didn't even have to rewatch the movie to have a better grasp on some of this stuff than i do (laughs) (laughs) iron man is easily my favorite of all of the marvel characters that they've like done movies around Okay. So I've rewatched these a lot. It's just been a little while since I have. I see. I see. But that brings me to my next thing. And one thing we haven't talked about with the movie at all. And 
I want to talk about the music cues because this does them so well. You have Tony out on the battlefield, basically, and ACDC starts playing. And then you have him tinkering around in the garage or in whatever you want to call it. I'm just going to call it a garage because there is like an exit for all the vehicles. So you have him tinkering (laughs) around and Suicidal Tendencies comes on. And it's just one of those movies where you associate that music with the character so much after this initial film. Yeah, and it's something that they bring back in later movies, too. Yeah, it's like Tony has a very specific rock theme going on. <laughs> yeah, and he even, I think he like he wears, like, band merch, too. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Um, and he, he, yeah, like you said, he's, he's kind of the only one that has this going on where there is, like, a, a musical connection. I don't think any of the other characters have that. Or if they do, theirs is just within the score itself and not necessarily a soundtrack. Obviously, music is a big part of Guardians of the Galaxy, though, because they have their mixtapes. But that is not a specific song, necessarily. No. And with Tony, I think there's like one or two songs that are kind of recurring throughout. Yeah, that was just something that stood out to me. And it's the little things like that, that you continue to remember with the films, too. Like... When I started watching this, I was like, oh, when's ACDC going to come on? <laughs> um, yeah, and I think I think ACDC ends up being his entrance mo- music in the first Avengers movie when he shows up in Germany. Yeah, that's, that sounds about right. I didn't make note of it then, but I knew it definitely played a part in this movie. Yeah. So I think that's it for what I have for the movie aside from the post credit scene is there anything we haven't touched on yet that you can remember before we dive into what happens in the post credits no i think we covered everything pretty well awesome well so in the post credit scene this is when we get fury and i made note of a line that he says here because i literally went back and played this line like three or four times because i was like did he just say that am i hearing <laughs> this correctly and He says, you've become part of a bigger universe. You just don't know it yet. And that is totally Marvel just playing with all of us. And looking back 10 years later, it's like, yep, they knew that what they were doing right from the start. Maybe they didn't know quite the extent of it, but I really do believe that they had like these first 10 years planned out pretty well. Yeah. And I don't think they had announced at this point yet because like, I, I know within the last like five years or so, they've kind of laid out what their movie plans are and what characters they're bringing in and when. But I don't think when the first Iron Man came out in 2008 that they had yet like made it publicly known what the game plan was for all of these movies. Yeah, and I know The Incredible Hulk came after this and they probably didn't plan on recasting a character as big as the Hulk both literally and figuratively. So (laughs) it's one of those things where, you know, we mentioned the roadie recasting, but the Hulk recasting is definitely a major thing because he is a big part of these movies. And that is probably one of the movies we won't get to just because I think the Incredible Hulk might be a lot of people's least favorite movie of the MCU. And I'm guessing that's simply because, you know, it's not the same guy playing the Hulk at this point. And it's like, we kind of all just forget that movie happened. <laughs> yeah, um, I think The Incredible Hulk came out 
like right after the Iron Man movie did. Um, and it definitely is not one of Marvel's finer moments. Um, I do still love that movie just because um, I love Edward Norton. Right. Um, but as like, I, I, I know it's not a great movie. I just love it because I love him. Yeah, it just doesn't really fit the tone of the MCU, in my opinion. Like, everything they did afterwards with the Hulk felt way more in line with where they were trying to take all of these characters. And, you know, I tend to just think of the Incredible Hulk as its own thing outside of the MCU, even though it did happen after Iron Man, because it didn't feel like it was going in the same direction. And like I said, it didn't have quite that same tone, but... No, it didn't feel connected, whereas everything else kind of felt like it was working towards an end goal. And truthfully, as much as I love Edward Norton, I think Mark Ruffalo makes a much better Bruce Banner than he did. Yeah, I never really saw Edward Norton as Bruce Banner, because I I don't know if it's because of my love for Fight Club, and he's always going to be (laughs) that guy. Yeah. It's one of those things where some actors, it's just so hard for them to shake the roles that they have played previously and I feel like a lot of these actors now in the MCU might have that same problem like Chris Evans is always going to be Captain America Robert Downey Jr. is always going to be Iron Man and you know even when I saw Mark Ruffalo and Robert Downey Jr. in a movie together that wasn't Marvel related at all I was like oh this is kind of weird I think it was Zodiac I was watching I was like huh yep this is interesting. <laughs> yeah, I I watched that fairly recently and I had kind of the same reaction. Yeah. On a side note, it was funny seeing Chris Evans in that first Captain America movie. Um, just having grown up watching him in Fantastic Four as the Human Torch. See, I don't know if I ever saw the second Fantastic Four movie. So I barely remembered him even being in that. But that happens a lot. Like you have Ryan Reynolds now who is playing Deadpool and he was the Green Lantern first. And then you have, I think there's at least a few other actors that have either played characters in Marvel and DC stuff or they've just switched within the same universe. Like I know um, right now, Marina Baccarin or Deadpool's girlfriend in Deadpool she is obviously in that and then she's also a character in Gotham so that's just weird to me yeah I'm like wait you cannot be these people at the same time <laughs> too confusing but you know um, it's one of those things where it does happen and it's a little weird but then you're like okay well you know Ryan Reynolds is obviously perfect as Deadpool so whatever oh yeah <laughs> it, it's he's as perfect at, as Deadpool as Robert Downey Jr. is as Tony Stark um, but with Ryan Reynolds, I think he's actually on his third character in a superhero movie. I want to say he showed up in one of the X-Men movies, like very briefly. I'm going to look that up now because I'm going to be curious. But in the meantime, we can get to some of that Infinity War speculation. And I have talked about this already a little bit, but you said you're going into this pretty blind as far as knowing what happens in the comics and everything and in that sense do you have any knowledge of Thanos at all or do you just know who he is from these little snippets we've gotten from previous movies 
It's it's all pretty much from the snippets in the previous movies. Okay, so on that impression, who do you think is going to die at the hands of Thanos? I think Captain America is going to end up dying, and Bucky will take over as Captain America. Right. I feel like I'm cheating a little bit because I did read there was like a BuzzFeed article of like reactions to the trailers and stuff. Um, and I feel like I remember seeing something about Stephen Strange dying. Okay. Yeah, that'll be interesting because I don't know if there's a Doctor Strange 2 in the works at all. And I mentioned this when I was doing the Black Panther podcast with MJ. And I think it's a very smart move that Marvel has not announced the next wave of movies yet because that would just kind of give everything away as to who lives or dies and infinity war really feels like the first time that we are going to see major consequences you know obviously spider-man homecoming 2 was already announced so you know tom holland's probably safe in his role as (laughs) spider-man and he's still very early in his character so you don't want to kill off this teenager right off the bat pretty much so that makes sense and i'm sure someone from the guardians of the galaxy team is going to die just because they have a personal connection with thanos so i think that's going to play in a lot more than people have been talking about i think but as far as you know these newer faces we've seen i don't know if anyone from the black panther movie dies and I'm really hoping they don't because they're great and I want more of them. <laughs> yeah, I, Black Panther was such a great movie. Um, but I feel like going into this, going into Infinity War, I, I kind of am just going to prepare myself for everybody dying. Just because <laughs> at this point, we are a decade deep into the Marvel Universe and I've kind of become so attached to each of the characters for different reasons that no matter who ends up dying, I'm going to end up being upset. So I'm just going to prepare myself and just go into it with the idea that everybody you love dies. Probably very true. And I did look it up. So Ryan Reynolds has actually appeared in Blade Trinity. And Blade is, in fact, a Marvel movie, whether or not a lot of people realize that. I certainly didn't at the time. So that technically counts. But he did appear in the X-Men Origins Wolverine movie. But he was Wade Wilson in that, which I don't think I ever caught. But I also don't really remember much of that movie because everything about Wolverine blends in aside from Logan. (laughs) Yeah, no, he showed up, but it was like his mouth was sewn shut. Okay. So it it doesn't come across quite as prominently that like this is who he is. Um, But it was just like a very brief, like I I, like I vaguely remember it. Yeah, there are so many X-Men movies. That's that's another series that's very hard to keep track of (laughs) yeah because there's the the original ones um with Anna Paquin in them right and then there's first class days of future past uh I feel like there was one after that and then there's the X-Men origin Wolverine there's like there's so many of them yeah I think Apocalypse is one I never yes bothered seeing And that's the most recent one. And I've heard that's, you know, a good decision on my part. But the completionist (laughs) in me wants to watch it. And I'm just like, but do I really need to? Because they're probably going to reboot everything, especially if this Disney and Fox deal goes through. Yeah. um, I think I watched it on like a flight somewhere at some point. 
Well, see, then th- that's that's very reasonable. That's a reasonable <laughs> time to watch a movie you're not entirely sure you're going to like because then you can just fall asleep or something. <laughs> right. And I didn't have to pay to go see it in the movie theater or find a way to steal it online. Yeah, definitely. Well, is there anything else you want to mention before we wrap this up? I know we kind of were all over the place with this episode, but that's kind of just how my brain works sometimes. <laughs> it's also just kind of the nature of Marvel in general. It's it's hard to focus on one thing without also bringing in a million other things. Very true. Um, but that's what makes it so easy to just kind of like immerse yourself in this world that they've created and why I love it so much. Yeah, exactly. Well, Becky, it was a pleasure, as always, having you on. I am sure we will probably try to plan some episodes a little more frequently here. I think the last time you were on was about two months ago, which isn't bad. Not bad. We should probably keep that going here. Yeah, let's definitely do more. I know we had talked about the Harry Potter books and and finding a way to bring those in. So I still need always to find down. those. Thank you for the reminder. <laughs> they are somewhere in the other room. That's all I know. <laughs> It is a start. Yeah. All right. Well, I will let you go here because I know it's late for you. And to our listeners, as always, thank you all for listening. And we hope you enjoy the rest of your day.